Welcome to the TVA Devotions Podcast. We want you to be encouraged by the Word of God, whether this is your first or your 50th time to listen. We hope we add value to you through God's Word today. Hi, my name is Justin D. I'm the co-founder of the Volley Academy. And more importantly, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I find so often that I'm out recruiting uh, club volleyball tournaments on the weekends, on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays and Mondays. And I see so many people and so many players and so many families that are missing their church group and their meeting time of uh, being encouraged through the word of God, and uh, which led me uh, to develop these devotions. Uh, these are, I am not a, a preacher. Uh, I'm just a follower of Christ. Um, I went to Liberty University, uh, but I did not go to uh, a school of the ministry. Um, I didn't go to seminary, uh, but I just believe that God has called me uh, to share his word. And for me, it's to add value to you. So I pray that you would uh, listen to these uh, words. I pray that you would open your hearts. Um, I pray that it would not be me speaking, but God speaking through me to you. So I pray that you enjoy these. Um, good luck this weekend in your tournament if you're heading to a tournament. Uh, but we'd like just to try to do this every week uh, so that you guys have the word of God in your ears um, as you're at these club volleyball tournaments. Enjoy and God bless. All right, our first devotion. Uh, this is one that I, it's one of my favorite ones, and it's one that I did at a high performance camp uh, not too long ago, a couple of years ago. So um, I just want to kind of jump into you. If you guys know me, one of, one of the things that I feel like, I, you know, when I walk out of the house, I need, you always touch your wallet, your phone, um, your keys. You're going to make sure you have those. For me, I also have to touch my watch and I have to touch my belt. So a belt for me is kind of one of those things that I can't leave home without. It's almost like a phone, not quite that big because sometimes I am a coach, so Sometimes I do not need a belt. I use stretchy pants, as the kids say. Um, but uh, sometimes I do that. So <clears throat> one of the things that I, I've read in the in the Bible is uh, this place called the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies is in the holy place. And it's actually in the tabernacle. And it's actually in the um, where where the where it's a place where you can meet with God. Uh, it was an Old Testament place and even in, in the New Testament a little bit. And it was a place where God resided. And there was only one person that was holy enough in order to meet with God within the Holy of Holies. Now, there was a holy place. And then inside the holy place, you had to go past a veil to get to this Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go in there and meet with God. And he can only do it one time a year. And if you are not worthy enough of being able to talk to God, <clears throat> you would have uh, you would be struck down. And uh, you would be killed. And so when the high priest went in there, he actually wore this belt, this rope around his waist that went outside of the Holy Holies, past the veil. And there'd be men out there that would have to pull him out if he was struck down by God and died. And he actually had bells, I believe, on his shoes or on his waist. And when he hit the ground, it went jiggly, jiggle, jiggle. Not quite not like that, but you, you understand. And so when they were struck, when it, if somebody was struck down by God, they got pulled out by this belt and they had to pull the guy out. So the Holy of Holies is kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of interesting to me. It, it was separated from the holy place uh, and it said it was 20 cubits 
by 20 cubits by 20 cubits. So we're talking about 20 cubits tall. And uh, 20 cubits is about 18 inches, or a cubit is about 18 inches. So it's, we're talking about 30 feet tall. And there's this veil, this large, heavy veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And uh, it came to about in... Um, in Matthew chapter 27, it talks about Jesus's death and Jesus is on the cross and Jesus is saying, you know, God, why have that forsaken me? Um, you know, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And uh, then all of a sudden, Jesus's spirit was released up. And at that moment, it says, and it says this in Matthew 27, 51, it says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook. There was an earthquake that happened at that moment because I believe that at Jesus's death, he says, you don't have to be the holiest person in the world in order to communicate with God, with me. You don't have to be the most perfect person and it doesn't have to be in this place. There is no holy of holies. Jesus's death allowed us to be able to communicate with God, even in the sinful way that we are right now, the person that we are. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through him. So for us, that veil breaking by a earthquake is pretty huge to me. So that earthquake is kind of what moves us into our next step. And I, I kind of gotten ahead of myself. So I just want to kind of stop for a second. And I want to ask you, what is your favorite book of the Bible? I'd like for you to say it out loud. Now, I can't hear you. I'll put my ear really close to the microphone. I don't think it's going to work. But what is your favorite book of the Bible? Is it Genesis? Is it, is it, are you crazy Crazy and love Revelation? It's not crazy. It's you know, exciting that we win in the end. Um, but what is it? What book in the Bible? Is it Psalms? Is it Proverbs? Um, is, it, is it Job? Uh, you know, what is that book that is your favorite? And for me, mine is Philippians. It's the book of joy. And Paul writes Philippians and everything that is packed in Philippians. There are so many verses. There are so many just key boom, boom, boom verses that explode to me. I'm going to go through a couple of them with you. Chapter one, verse six says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Can you believe that? Chapter one, uh, verse 21, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a wonderful, wonderful way to live your life. Who cares what the world can do to you? You are living for Christ. And the worst they can do is give you, put you into heaven a little bit sooner. Verse 27 in chapter one says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is a key verse for me. It's one of, it's my favorite verse. If you've gotten a letter from me, I usually put Philippians 127 on the bottom. I believe it was one of my passwords. Don't try to hack into my account at one time. But anyway, it is a pretty awesome verse. Going into chapter two, it's chapter two, verse three says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. How awesome is that in a volleyball team concept? Verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing with the referees. Do that today so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Now, let me think about that for a second. If you don't complain, if you don't, if you don't go on Facebook or you don't go on Instagram or you don't go around your friends and complain and argue about everything else, you're going to stick out. And this verse says children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Are we living in a warped and crooked generation? If you don't believe that, look around. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. 
And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ Jesus that I did not run or labor in vain. Chapter three, verse seven says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. I consider them dumb that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And then it says, and it starts in verse 13, it says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In chapter four, it says, and this is my favorite one. You'll hear me say this a million times. I've memorized, I want to memorize the whole book. And I said this two years ago and I still haven't done it, but I'm on my way. Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. There's an exclamation point right there. It's pretty awesome. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Let me say that again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you want to know perfect peace that guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, there it is. There's a step-by-step process. I hear people all the time tell me, I need peace about something. I need I need some clarity in my life. Philippians 4, 4 through 7, go get it, go get it, go get it. I could stop right now and the devotion's over, but Philippians keeps on going. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, Take those things right there. Take those things. If anything is excellently excellent or praiseworthy, that is what you sift, what you're watching on TV, how you're talking with your friends, what you're thinking about, all those things. You pour that into a a, a pot and let Jesus fall through. Anything that is not that, let it be caught up and thrown away. Whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, right, noble, true, excellent, praiseworthy, all those things. Think about those things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Woohoo! Whoa, wait, I don't know if I should say that. But my life has got to be a walking in a way worthy of the gospel of Christ in order for me to say Philippians 4.9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And when you do that, the God of peace will be with you. This is Paul talking, not just indeed. I am a sinner. Paul is a sinner. We're saved by a pretty awesome Savior. Last one. You know it all with me. Say it with me. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This is Philippians. Paul's writing this from jail. I don't know about you, but if I'm in jail and I'm writing this letter to the church of Philippi, Something's got to happen. Something happened in Philippi that just blew me away. And so it led me to say, you know, what in the world? How did this all start? How did Paul, what happened in Philippi that he is such joyful about what's going on in Philippi? 
So I looked it up. <laughs> and in Acts chapter 16, verse 12, it says, from there we traveled to Philippi. And Paul and Silas are walking together and going around. And they go to this uh, place called Philippi. Philippians, Philippi. You put it together. There you go. But anyway, so Paul is in Philippi. And uh, he's staying at this lady's house called Lydia. And uh, it says, one morning we left to look for a place to pray. And so in the morning they left and they looked for a place to pray. Now, I'm assuming this is probably about sunup. So we're talking about probably about 6 a.m., 5.45 in the morning. They leave the house and they go to try to find a place to pray. They meet some people there. They speak about Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 16, and this is where it gets good. And that's kind of where we're going to set in. So I know I've been talking for about 12 minutes now. And now we're ultimately starting to set in. But this is the good part. And I believe this is what God has for you today. So before we jump into it, I want to pray for us today. God, may it be all you today and nothing from me. Amen. So it says, and Paul and Silas are in prison, uh, going to prison. I kind of jumped ahead of myself there. But anyway, verse 16, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So this lady is kind of like a palm reader. She's a what they call a soothsayer. And basically, uh, she meets Paul and Silas, and she's being kind of uh, kind of controlled by these two men uh, that are on the other side of the street. And she's walking. The guys are like, hey, see that those guys over there? I want you to walk behind them, and I don't want anybody to believe anything comes out of their mouth because those two people are Christians. And these two guys don't want anything that Paul and Silas are saying to the people of Philippi to come to them be able to hear them and believe them. So they sent this woman to walk behind Paul and Silas all day long. And it says that she yelled out, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And it says she kept this up for many days. Think about somebody walking behind you and saying, these people are idiots. Don't listen to them. These people are jerks. Don't listen to them. And they walk behind you and you just want to turn around sometimes and just say, lady. And they're doing this behind Paul and Silas. And uh, Paul understands that it's not the woman that's doing this. It's the spirit that's within her. And so what Paul does, it says in verse 18, it says, finally, Paul became so annoyed, us too. So Paul is human. That he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And it says that at that moment, the spirit left her. Now, this woman, again, her job was having this spirit in her that predicted the future. And people would pay her. It's kind of like, again, you go to a palm reader and you pay for her to tell you about the lines in your palm matching up and you're going to meet the woman or man of your dreams today. But these, this lady had a evil spirit within her that was given those, those talents, I guess. And these men are not that owned this woman are not going to get paid anymore. <laughs> Even though they said, hey, follow those guys and yell at them, make sure that nobody talks to them because if they talk to them and believe what they're saying, they're not going to pay us anymore. So the their thoughts kind of backfired a little bit as Paul turned around and took out the spirit from her. And it says in verse 19, when our owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. Now, I'm thinking about that they seized them. They're probably pretty big dudes, and Paul and Silas probably are not in the fighting mood. 
And they seized Paul and Silas, and it says they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authority. So they basically got really upset that Paul had taken the money out of their hands. And it says they brought him in verse 20. It says they brought him before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews, and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack. Now, doesn't this happen so often when people say gossip and people say false things? That everybody says, oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, let's get these guys out of here. It says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped naked and beaten with rods. Let me say that again. They got stripped naked and beaten with rods. Now, what did Paul and Silas do? Let's think about this for a second. Paul and Silas did exactly what God asked them to do. Paul and Silas were sharing God's word, were walking around, and they removed a demon from somebody that was possessed. Whether you believe in that or not, this is the word of God, so it's not me. You either believe God or you don't. And because they did exactly what God had asked them to do or doing the work of God, how many times have you done the work of God and things haven't gone out perfectly? I don't think you've ever been stripped and beaten with a rod before. I don't think that you've been stripped naked in front of everybody in the town and beaten with a rod. Verse 23 says, after they had been severely flogged, basically after they'd gotten beaten up, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. And stocks are those things, you've probably taken a picture with it at some theme park at one time, where you put your head and your arms through and you're just stuck there in that thing forever. And what I kind of understand here, and I call it an inner cell moment, because the jailer took them and put them in the inner cell. Basically, the prison was, there were all of these prisoners that were around in the outer cell. And Paul and Silas, again, stripped, beaten, severely flogged. They were naked and they were put in the inner cell in front of everybody. Stripped, naked, beaten up, put in stocks. They couldn't move. And what did they do this for? Why were they thrown in prison? Because they did exactly what God had asked of them. And man, we get so bummed out if we don't win the lottery when we're doing what God asked of us. We get so bummed out when things aren't going great in our life because we're doing what God, God, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you? I've done everything, God. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you? Have you ever been beaten or flogged and stripped naked and thrown in front of everybody and then thrown into prison in the inner cell in front of everybody in prison? If you have, I'm sorry. I don't think that you have. I don't think anybody has. And sometimes we have these inner cell moment of our lives where you think that you, and you've praised God and you have given him everything. You do your devotions. You believe, you go and prophesy in his name. You go and share your testimony with other people. You go into your teammates, to your coworkers, and you tell them more about Jesus and all you are positive and encouraging. You do all those things that we talked about in Philippians. And it doesn't work out for you the way that you thought it would be. 
Sometimes you're so frustrated. And I can believe it. Paul and Silas at this moment, I'm sure they're saying, God, why have you forsaken me? Forget God. This stinks. All I did, God, was what you wanted me to do. And you put me in the middle of a jail cell, naked, stripped, beaten with rods, severely flogged. Forget you, God. Honestly, how do you react when you have an inner cell moment? Let me tell you about Paul and Silas and how they acted instead of react. Because I'm convinced that the things that happen to you are nothing. Your character is not what happens to you. It's how you act in that moment. Chuck Swindoll said, your attitude in life is 10% what happens to you and 90% the way you react to it. And so Paul and Silas, stripped, beaten with rods, severely flogged, chained and stocked, stocks, put in the inner cell in front of everybody, butt naked. This is how they acted. Verse 25. Acts chapter 16, look it up if you think I'm lying. About midnight. Now again, what time they wake up? 6 a.m. They've been all day out there, walking around, sharing Christ, getting beat up, getting flogged, getting beat with rods. And it says about midnight, I'd be sleeping. I'd be doing something else. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. pretty amazing. What's your reaction when things don't know or go right? What's your reaction about midnight when you've had the worst day? What's your reaction? The biggest thing in this verse is not what Paul and Silas did. It is great. And I'm, I'm thankful for what Paul and Silas did. But if you look at the second half of verse 25, it says, and the other prisoners were listening to them. You remember what I said in Philippians 1? When I said in Philippians 4, all those things, anything you've seen in me put into practice? Paul's living it out right now in verse 25. He says, I've had a really, really bad day. I did everything for Christ And because of it, I'm sitting here naked, beaten up in front of everybody. And God put them inside that middle cell so that everybody else could hear them and could see them. Because it says the other prisoners were listening to them. And here it comes back. Remember, we talked about the earthquake that tore the veil in two. Verse 26, it said, verse 26 says, suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. And I think about that. I think about chains being broken. And there's a great song by Zach Williams, and this is my first podcast, so I don't know how to attach the song, but I want you to look it up on whatever you have, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you have, whatever you listen to, however you get music, find it on YouTube and listen to this song today. It's called Chainbreaker 
by Zach Williams. I want to read you the lyrics real quick. It says, if you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell all the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old hole, fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. And it goes on to say, we've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to the things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. What a wonderful story to think about that God from this verse brought that song about. But it talked about the chains being broken. And it says that at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, it's not just Paul and Silas. It's all the prisoners that are around them. They're not in stocks anymore. They're not in the inner cell. All the doors are open. Everybody can just say, peace, we out of here. But they don't. It says this, the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors, the jailer who had fallen asleep had just woke up. We saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. So in verse 27, there's this person in life that is taking a look and saying, you know, I'm overwhelmed about my responsibility. I screwed up. I slept when I should have been watching. And he says, I can't handle it anymore. I don't want to handle what's about to come to me. He says, I'd rather take my life than have to handle what's coming to me. He says he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. Stop. We're all here. And the jailer said, he called for lights. He says, please turn on the lights. Somebody turn on the lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas said in verse 31 of Acts chapter 16, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved, you and your whole household. It's a day in the life of Paul and Silas. It's a day I'm sure they'll never forget. It's a day I'll never forget because it's written in God's word. And it's written in God's word in Acts chapter 16 to tell you about Philippians, to say, you want to know how people have so much joy because they've seen God at work. He's a prison shaking savior. And I believe today that each one of you listening fall into one of three categories. I believe some of you guys are the soothsayer today. I believe that you might've just, you're actively working against God. 
you're telling people online or in real life that their belief in God is unfounded, that it's not true, that it's stupid for them to believe in God. For some reason, you got just popped onto this thing. Maybe somebody shared it on Facebook or somebody did something where you're listening to this and you are the person that is the soothsayer saying, don't listen to these idiots. They're stupid. And to you, I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, stop it. Just stop it. Demon, come out. Be free from that. Turn away from your wicked ways. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know, some of you, the second place that you could fall into is some of you are Paul and Silas. Some of you guys that are listening to this are all about Jesus Christ and you're working and you're working hard and you're working hard and you're doing everything for him. And sometimes things don't go perfect for you. Sometimes you have those inner cell moments. Sometimes you sit back and you say, God, where are you? Is that where you are today? Maybe it's a sick family member. Maybe it's financial hardship. How do you react when times get tough? Are you like Paul and Silas, though? I want to encourage you today, Christians. Sing praises and hymns to God because other people are watching you. On the court playing volleyball, if you're listening to this as the Volley Academy, people are watching you and they're going to see what you're doing. Somebody's going to see it and God's going to reward your faithfulness. He's going to bring that earthquake. Trust in him. Get ready for that earthquake in your life. And to the last group of people, some of you are the jailer. Some of y'all have seen what God is doing. Some of you know that the kind of God who can do miracles, he can break chains. But you don't know Jesus. You don't know him. I'm here to tell you, if you have pain, Jesus is a pain taker. If you feel lost, Jesus is a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, Jesus is a prison shaking savior. He's ready to break your chains today. And as it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, all you have to do is believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you need that today, listen, I just want you to pray two sentences, three sentences, four sentences with me. Just pray with me. You don't even have to say it out loud. I'd love for you to. I'd love for you to yell it as loud as you can. If you're in your car, if you're sitting on the side of a court somewhere, if you're sitting, preferably not in the middle of church, but just say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this on my own. Please come break my chains and set me free today. Amen. It's that simple. It's that simple. Ain't God good? God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. If you need prayer, if you just if you, if you just prayed that prayer and you need somebody to help you out, I want to connect you with your local church. Please send an email to me. It's thevolleyacademy at gmail.com. It's not the volleyball, but the Volley Academy. T-H-E-V-O-L-L-E-Y-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y at gmail.com. Or just look up Justin D. Volleyball online. You'll see a big old picture of me. I'd love to hear what God did through me today in your heart. I'd love to connect with you to a local church wherever you are. The journey has just started today. I want to tell everybody thank you for listening today. God bless.